What's going on, everybody? My name is Rob, and I'm the host of The Curated Culture, a weekly podcast dedicated to dissecting the latest and greatest news from around the world of tech and pop culture. Now, we all know the internet can be a busy, noisy place, so let us calm that noise for you. Join us as we discuss the latest and greatest topics from the people and sources that matter most. Check us out every Thursday as we jump into fresh, original content, new interviews, and a host of other subjects that we know you'll find interesting. So jump in whatever your favorite podcast app is and search The Curated Culture. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And in the meantime, we'll catch y'all on the air. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I am here with Nick. I didn't come up with any clever things. Oh, thank God, because I don't know if I, how I take them. I, I'm just I'm always on edge, teetering, waiting to see what you're going to call me. I know. I and On top of the fact that I'm like, okay, ready? We're about to start. Ready, set, and then I knocked over my lamp. It's it's a good way to start your day, you know? I'm it's impressed. not. It, it threw me off. It's got my, my bearings all in a, in a twirl. In a twirl? In a twirl. Not a twist. Twirl. Mm, I mean, it could, but it started as pretty much just a twirl. Well, I, I mean, made you speechless. I didn't know I could do that. It is possible. I mean, it's not common, but it's possible. So either you're just that tired or my words just blocked all the firing in your brain. Uh, I'm pretty tired, Mike. Like it's, <laughs> it is. I'm pretty tired. Yeah, we have those moments. So, by the way, before we get started, still loving all the cooking stuff. I think your whole TikTok should just be one side of you cooking, the other side of you reacting to people's cooking. So, I, I kind of actually came to that same conclusion this week. I think I'm going to start doing that. The I haven't been doing a lot of TikToks just because I can't monetize them. And so, when I do the TikToks, I've got to be cognizant as to where they place the watermark. And if it's anything that I can't edit out, then I'm then it's not that it's a waste. It's just I prefer to post content that I can monetize. Um, but well, with I, reels, you can you can produce the little short. I've done them too, but those little videos, and then do it twice. Like have the completed video on on your phone, upload them to Instagram and Facebook. Then uh, when you're all done with YouTube and used. Instagram and Facebook, then upload it to TikTok. So, yeah, that, that's the problem I, I've been having is that usually on TikTok, when I'm responding or reacting to people's videos, they're from TikTok. So I've got to download them to my phone, put them in editing software, I put myself into them, and that, that's all fine. But if I can't edit out the watermark on their video, that I can't mm. that I can't get monetized for. So it just depends. I got lucky with uh, the pizza one I did where the, the guy turned it did, pretty much made a giant euro. They took a pizza and filled it with barbecue and brisket and made a giant sandwich out of it. I don't remember what they called it, but it was it was it was insane looking. I, I think I've had I got like 5000 views on that right now. So it's 
it's going. I mean, it's not a lot. Nothing I've nothing I've done in the recent history has gone viral like the one I did last year. Right. I'd love for that to happen again, but it hasn't yet. Well, just know you're highly entertaining. We thank all you. find them very, very funny and very informational. And so thank you for posting those. And if you're not following Nick on his TikTok or Facebook, do so. Yeah, I'd love to I'd love to chat with you. You'll watch a video, comment, call me fat. It'll be great. <laughs> you gotta love the comments of the internet. I do. Uh all right. So this week I I had wrote this episode out of pure irritation. I debated on just ignoring the concept, and I'll be honest, I didn't even know it happened until my mom called. Yes, my mother, because I've worked so hard to stay away from news and just, you know, read AP when I feel the need to catch up. And I didn't even know that this event had even happened, but I found out because we have a family member in that town. On Doug's side, on Step Doug's side. So my mom called and was asking questions and was informing me of what had happened. And just kind of out of irritation, I wrote this episode. So everybody can bear with me just a little bit. But what I want to talk about this week is East Palestine's um, trail derailment. And not necessarily, well, we're going to talk about like how it happened, but we'll talk about how common it is. But then we're going to talk about some of the reaction and some of the ways we handle disasters like this yeah i have a lot i have a lot of thoughts on this and a lot of things to say so i'm just gonna let you take the lead and then i'm gonna butt in rudely in the middle (laughs) well and it's funny because you know i trash politics on a regular basis but there are certain people that i generally like the decision making of and it it never falls in line of teams i've always just kind of picked the person based on the things they do Oh, you mean you think you think for yourself, Michael? How dare you? <laughs> so, um, and Dewine in Ohio was one of those ones that I I kind of liked. I hadn't I haven't I hadn't signed into I like that guy, but I didn't dislike him. And I, and when when it's the politics, I start with dislike, and I um I'm, I'm very disappointed in all of this all of East Palestine's uh, problems because of this derailment, everything leading up to it from a federal and state level, the actions taken, some of the actions that we criticize, there's not a lot of options. You know, the the fact that they had to burn off a tremendous amount of toxins. Yeah, don't, I, I can't wait to talk about that. So, I mean, there's, I this is probably one of our first let's talk about the environmental aspects of stupid kind of episode. So anyways, let's go ahead and get started with it. If uh, I'm sure everybody listening has heard that there was a massive train derailment in Ohio in East Palestine, Ohio, where large amounts, large amounts of carcinogens were released into the environment on this train derailment. If you do not know that, you can Google it. There's YouTube video after YouTube video. There's conspiracy theory. There's there's news. There's everything you expect from something that's gone viral is there. There's people telling you how wonderful it was. There's people telling you how terrible it was. What I want to talk about is why, first of all, why this kind of stuff happens. I want to talk about response. And I want to talk about what should be the most important thing. That's that's where I want to kind of go. Nick, did you want 
is there something that you wanted to start with or you want me just to go into? Uh, yeah, I want, so I, I want to start with my general reaction to the news of the der- derailment, if that's okay. Yes. Oh, please. So, so here's my thing. I always thought trains were super cool. I, I, I like any, we've covered this. I like any giant machine that doesn't move when I move on it. Giant, you know, tanks, trains, planes, automobiles, blah, blah, blah. I think they're cool. Well, I, I, I heard about it and read about it and then, um, anyone that does know me knows I, I listen to a lot of political jargon because sometimes I just like to watch a garbage, like a dumpster fire burn. So I'm, I'm watching both sides talk about it for what last couple of weeks now, nonstop. And I wasn't aware because I started doing some digging. I wasn't aware how common train derailments were in our country. But since from 2005, 2021, there's an average of 1,475 train derailments per year. Now that seems like if you compare that to automobile crashes crashes and stuff like that it's it's a minute number but at the same token like considering the machine is built just to go in a straight line and they're very mechanically speaking they're very simply built the most complex thing is the motor on them but everything else the technology for the braking the the wheels everything hasn't really evolved much in the last hundred years like it's very simple so my concern then was well then how long is the train now i don't know how long the train was in east palestine but like trains an average or a mile long, it can get all the way up to 10, 12, 15 miles. There's no limit or regulation for how long a freight train can be, which I find to be outlandish since that's a lot of weight to stop. I also find it to be ridiculous in the notion that how can you expect to have proper maintenance and regulation on something that doesn't have a regulation on it to stop. I mean, if you have a train that's two miles long and it has to stop for whatever reason, if you have one brake in the middle of that that goes or one bearing in one of those wheels that goes, what regardless of what you're carrying, what even if your train's empty, that's a terrible disaster when that thing comes off the rail. It's going to destroy wildlife. It's going to wreck homes, everything, everything in that local area to where it comes off. And I'm talking about an empty train. It's going to be messed up for a long time. Now, when you combine that with the notion of carrying carcinogens or any type of thing that's really harmful to the environment, it could be bad chemicals, it could be oil, it could be whatever they're carrying. I assume, I haven't checked, I assume this train is not unlike the other ones. I'm assuming it was a mile and a half, two miles long, an outlandish size, which means it was carrying thousands and thousands of gallons of whatever it was carrying. It just seems like a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. Yeah, and that one of the things that I noticed was I don't pay a lot of attention to trains, even though I live in Train Central, the amount of derailments. Now, when we say derailments, this just happened. It was called a derailment. Not every derailment is catastrophic. Of course. You know, some are pretty basic, and there isn't a flip of a train or destruction of the property, but there's still a ton of them, a ton of them. Like you said, nearly three a day happened. And a, so this is a this is a regular occurrence, and there used to be regulation, but we removed that regulation. So you know because regulation kills jobs or whatever silly thing we want to say, certain regulation that goes above and beyond that maybe could be deemed unneeded that was cre- created politically maybe, but most regulation is for our safety. It is for us to ensure the safety of our our personal well being and the environment around us. So. If anybody's listening to this and their hair stands up because they heard the word regulation, that's called psychological conditioning. The fact is, is that we we're supposed to do these things in reaction or hopefully mitigation. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we are proactive in creating regulation that can harm others. In this case, we were. Then we removed it. 
because it was a quote-unquote job killer. In other words, it reduced profits. Anyways, this was an overheated bearing, so there was a maintenance concern. And because of the speed the train was going and when that bearing gave way, it led to a catastrophic failure. And I can't really express how catastrophic unless you jump on and see videos and, and things of that nature. But I have a family member who lives in that town who was kind of, they were like live streaming the large smoke plumes and all these things that were coming from just down the road. And with my experience with Flint, Michigan, with the Wolverine plant here in Michigan, the, there's these things that I immediately say. And what I told my mom was, okay, call her, get her, her child, and evacuate. Because they're going to say everything is fine until they, until they know it's not. Uh, grab the stuff you need to grab and evacuate now. Which that I think is, is the wise choice. Well, because that was a catastrophic failure, you know, they try to play it off in the beginning. They go, oh, you know, don't worry. This is good. This is under control. That's under control. Those nothing there was under control. Yeah. Well, I, I don't understand is how they can say something like that. Like, don't get me wrong. I've always kind of believed that the average person isn't the brightest bulb. Not that I think people are stupid, but people have way too much trust in their supposed experts and authority figures since clearly are people in charge and are doing what they're supposed to do. Not that I don't want to trust the government, but um, hello. Like how, how big is the town of East Palestine, Mike? Uh, I think it was, they evacuated about 1500 people and it's about, I think around 3000, if I remember okay. correctly. So okay. it's size of Duran. Yeah. It's, it's not a big place. Right. So now I, I haven't watched a ton of content on, the aftermath of of all the chemicals burning off but i have seen quite a few videos of of dead wildlife and i've also seen oh god i watched a couple of videos where people were throwing stones in the water and as they as they threw the stones in the water the waves that came up from the bottom were very very oily now i didn't look into that because those kinds of videos are really easy to fake and make mm -hmm. i could do it with 10 minutes and cooking oil it wouldn't be hard however it does alarm me that the amount of fish in the water that have passed away from this. Um, and the other thing that I thought was really, really weird, because I'm not I'm not very intelligent when you were talking about, you know, chemicals and that kind of stuff. I don't know a lot about it. I'm pretty ignorant. But there's so, several surrounding areas are experiencing essentially like particulate rain from the burnoff. There's like a almost like a plastic coming down. Mm -hmm. It's like ash, like plastic ash from the burnoff. Like that, that alarms me. That's in the atmosphere. So what's that going to do to the weather? What's that going to do to air quality to all the birds, to everyone that has to breathe that? I mean, I'm sorry. I keep cutting you off, but my no. God. Yeah. We're going to jump around a little bit because you're, you bring up good points. And so first of all, when, when they were talking about the water, they were saying that it would be fine. They were saying that the air quality would be fine. These are all things that they're saying because they expect dilution. Oh, it, if we empty it into the river, it will spread amongst the water. There's a lot more water than there is chemical. And as it travels down the river, it will dilute and be fine. Same thing with the air. A gas always fills its uh, chamber, if you will. And then in, in the earth, the chamber is the top of the atmosphere to the land. The problem is, and, well, and they, they, their answer was, well, air currents are traveling away from the city, so we're fine. Except for and, everyone it's traveling towards. Well, on top of the fact, yes, it is moving in a direction where there will be people at some point, and as it spreads out, but those particulates 
anything with mass like that, with a little more mass than air, has to come down. What goes up comes must come down, and it has to come down somewhere. the The goal, according to the health department in Ohio, was to basically, in a sense, ionize it, just create burn offs that are lighter than air because most of the chemicals were, and it would just go into the atmosphere, spread out amongst the whole atmosphere and it would be you know very tiny parts per million in any sampling and it will be over as if there's as if there's not a lot of those throughout the the world and the fact is if we keep doing that there's a long-term problem but what they don't realize is that you get incomplete burn even in a power plant where where you can get a complete burn you have soot you have coking you have carbon buildup. And the same thing happens in these scenarios. So what you end up with is the remnants of a, uh, of a combustion process with a carcinogen that falls somewhere. And I'm sure someone was attempting to do the math on where it would fall. But what they got was it falls somewhere because air currents change and they change per level of height. So yeah. it can be going that way visually. But as it rises and you stop seeing it, it can come back. So I'm going to dumb this language down. When you say um, air currents change per level of height, we're just talking about wind. That's all It's all it is. It's just fancy words for wind. It's density and, of air based on the wind. Yeah, yeah colder. Te- temperature, it's the, it's, the, it's the temperature of the air and the area upon which it travels, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't change the fact that like, if you put a giant cloud of carcinogens, and, you, and they're right to a point... The, the atmosphere is really big. The earth is really big. And on the grand scale of things, however many thousands of gallons that were burned off probably don't seem like much more than a drop in the bucket. But to a town of 1,500 when it's right there, guess what? That drop is in that bucket. Like, it's right there. It's it's not like it's fine with the surrounding maybe 20, 30, 40 miles. But in that little tiny, if it's a fit town of 1,500, it's probably like two by two miles. It's not like uh, it's a big By space. the way, it was like 4,700. So total of four. It's a little okay. bit bigger than us. It's Durand. It's Montrose. It's Clio. Like, it's it's a small community. Yeah. It's, it's a five-minute drive-through. That's the best way I can explain it. But they don't actually know the repercussions of what's going to happen. This is what my ignorant mind knows just by the, knowing the tiny bit of chemistry I know in a kitchen. Chemicals in a liquid form have a different viscosity than water. So if they think they're going to dissipate in the river, they're going to be right to a point. However, if it's heavier than water, it'll go to the bottom and it'll sit, it'll sit there in the dirt and the sediment. If it's lighter than water, it's going to ride on the top. What does that mean? That means if you have a number of different chemicals and different viscosities, that means it is a deadly environment for any living creature that is in the water that it is in until it reaches a big enough body of water to dissipate enough to not have too many parts per million to kill whatever is around there. Now, with that being said, they can say it's 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 harmless. It it that they can say it all they want, but when you're watching all of the dead fish and the dead frogs and all these animals float to the surface, which they do sometimes die naturally, maybe they're already sick, blah blah blah. But the numbers seem grossly inflated compared to what the national average is. There's a problem there. Also, with that being said, if it's in the if it's in the river, if it's in a creek bed, that means eventually it's probably going to get to your drinking water nature can clean up our messes, but it takes a lot longer than they're giving it credit for. This isn't going to be an overnight fix. Now, am I saying that millions of people are going to die immediately? No, I'm obviously not saying that. I just don't think that the, the I don't think that our experts are being honest with the people because they want to prevent a panic, but they should be honest and explain that they made a mistake through their lack of regulation. And now they got to send the, 
appropriate people in to fix it. And then, and here's my, here is my other big issue on it. Um, we talk about politicians and political leaders. They've done literally nothing. Um, the secretary of what transportation, uh, Buttigieg, is that his name? Took mm-hmm. him weeks to weeks to even show up. Not that physically he can do much, but if that's your job, if your job is to be the figurehead of a whole part of the government, that's the only, that's not even a real job, but they're paying you to do it. You should maybe show up, do some PR, let the community know you're working hard to help them and protect them and block. Like that's literally your only job. If you're a political leader that most of your job is being on television and talking about things that don't really need to have someone in charge of them, you should at least do that. If you're like a, a morale leader, you should be there letting people know it's okay. And they weren't. None of the, all these politicians are using it for photo ops and freaking, you know, ammunition for the next time it's team versus team in the Super Bowl season, except for Super Bowl, you know, I just mean like elections. Like I'm really angry about this. I don't even live in Ohio. Something you keep saying, which is they're right to a point. They're right. They're partially correct. So one of the trends I've seen over the last 10 years is reduction of scope. So what happens is it doesn't matter if it's this scenario, an election scenario, any kind of political scenario, what they say is always true to mm-hmm. a point. Now, to the point of absurdity at times that, you know, no one would even take to the short of a period, but it is still correct to a point. So they can say, I didn't lie. I didn't lie. It is correct, you know, and fight it off. But that is why you're getting the focus on one carcinogen. So v- final chloride is the focus of all of this. It is a carcinogen. It is a terrible chemical used in PVC piping and the creation of and several other production processes. And it is known to lead to liver cancer and brain and lung cancer, lymphoma, leukemia, all of these things. But why would they focus on something like that when it seems so terrible? Because it's easily moved to an aerosol and that if it was in soil and you turn the soil long enough, as it as it, it gets exposed to the air, it evaporates out, and it's considered easier to clean up because it has such a short half life. It would all it would also you know explain why they they did like why the burn off is happening and why they're trying to focus on that. So it seems like they're doing more than what they really are. These are the things. It is true those chemicals are there. It is true those chemicals are a carcinogen to humans and, and all wildlife. It is true they had to burn off full uh, containers of them because, or tankers of them because they could explode with excessive heat. And that was the issue, was that they couldn't let them continue to burn nearby because those tankers become pressurized and then you have a carcinogen sprinkler. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that you have to mitigate the problem or at least reduce the damage after you've already allowed it to happen. But we're not talking about the, you know, the diesel fuel. We're not talking about the oils and greases and all these other, the other tankers that had other carcinogens in them. Because if we stick to one with a short half-life, you can say, yes, if it gets in the water, it's just lighter than water. You'll see it on the surface, but it evaporates. You'll see a pearlescent coloring if it's there. And then when it's, when you don't see that, that chemical is gone. That gives someone some control. They think that as long as they look at it and it's not pearlescent, there is no carcinogen in the water supply. That isn't true. There was more chemicals released. They all have different specific densities that will fall in different places throughout that river. But what they did is they focused on the one that you can see, the one that you can control. 
so that you would feel like you're safe. And that's the part that gets under my skin in all of these disasters. This is becoming a common thread. They pick the one where you feel like you have control in your own safety. And they, and they failed to discuss the rest. Because here's the deal. If vinyl chloride is in the water supply and it sits on the surface, catfish don't die. They're a very hardy you know, carp. These fish are hardy. They're, they eat trash. They eat decomposing matter. They rarely come to the surface. Why do they die? Because there isn't just a substance on the surface. There are multiple substances, some of them created from the burn. Mm -hmm. Because when you do a mass balance on a, a mass balance on a combustion on combustion, there's there's math for it. You know what it gives off. The fact is, is we focused on something that we felt controlled and drew the attention away from so many other things, including PFAS, which they have to sometimes spray on to a fire to put it out mm -hmm. that is called a forever chemical its half-life is far longer it's like it's like spraying plastic that plastic will outlive us by 800 years that has nothing on pfos chemicals and that's where i started to get irritated and that's when i called family and said just get them out of there just get them out of there right now you can't trust a word that's being said you can't tell what chemicals are in there mm -hmm. and before you come back you you buy several test kits because here's what happened in Flint. They told you you were fine. Then people started getting rashes and they started having other, other problems. Then they're like, oops, hey, stop showering. We sacrificed people to, to find out if it really would hurt them or not. And they're going to do the same thing there. Because yes. we, we don't keep educated science professionals in charge where they're allowed to make decisions without getting in trouble. Well, and that's kind of my, my problem with that whole thing. It was been talking about professionals. It's like, I I'm weird in the sense that like, I like unabashedly like rude people if they're good at what they do. So if you have a super dry, completely objective straight to the facts guy in a position, I don't care if he ruffles feathers, if he does his job and keeps people safe, I'm okay with that. I really don't care if he's a jerk. I don't. I don't need it, my, my I don't need my experts code of the sunshine and rainbows. I don't need them to make me feel good. I want them to keep us safe. That's their job. That that's what I want. That is that is what I want. I want people to be honest and tell you the truth and tell them what they're doing to fix it when mistakes happen. So I was looking at some of the other chemicals that reported on the train, and I I some may, some I was familiar with. One I've never heard of is ethyl hexyl acrylate. I never heard of that before, and if I said it wrong, I do apologize. But I started looking it up, and it's it's. The vapors are heavier than air, but lighter than water. It does not dissolve in water, and it's clear and colorless. Mm -hmm. Isn't that exciting that you have this 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 chemical that just? That, I mean, I, they use it to make plastics and stuff. And the problem I have though is it actually has, from what I read, it has a pleasant odor, so it's it's fragrant, and it rides right on the surface of the water. So that means that any any animal that would smell that and 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 not have the the reaction to get away because it doesn't smell natural a bee anything that that could that could get that can fly 
has the chance to come in contact with it and, and they're going to die. Things, fish that live on the surface of the water or that eat off the surface of the water, birds that dive in the water, frogs, semi-aquatic turtles. And for those who don't, don't, don't know, most turtles are semi-aquatic. You know, very few turtles are actually on land. Most turtles live in the water and breathe air you know through their nose like it's it's kind of this this cool ability they have that they don't actually have to you know stand in water all the time pain the turtles rendered sliders that kind of stuff frogs amphibians like this is detrimentally bad and if i'm using words incorrectly i apologize my brain's frazzled because i'm not generally the one that does research on this kind of stuff that's true it's mike's job <laughs> well and you know yes there's a whole nother devastating side about the biodiversity but you just kind of hit the point. There was only, uh, of the 20, I think there was 20 chemical container cars. 14 of them had v- the vinyl chloride, which means there were several others in bulk elsewhere with other chemicals in them. And when they did the control burn, they burned off five of them, five container cars full of this known carcinogen. Again, you have to make decisions on the fly. I get it. But there's... One common thread in disaster relief, and that is using the residents as a test dummy. And that is why I called mom and said, get her out of there. Get her out of there. Don't let her go back. And if she goes back, she better come back with a whole list of tools to check her water supply. Agreed. And here's a fun fact. And air. Well, yeah. As much as I love gas masks, I don't think they should be a requirement to live. Um I just looked this up while you were talking because I didn't know. You said they burnt five off. So when I Googled, and I did, I do, I Googled the machine, you know, I, I did what I did. Rail tank cars can hold anywhere from 6,500 gallons to 31,000 gallons, which means at the absolute best scenario, they burnt off 32,500 gallons of a chemical. If they burnt five, the worst case scenario, they burnt 155,000 gallons of a liquid into the air, into the the space people are breathing because we need air to live. Or here's one. It's a much slower death. But like, what's it going to do to the trees? (laughs) I mean, trees breathe air. Trees, trees can't be that picky about, you know, like, no, you can't come in here. Chemicals, I only need carbon dioxide. Like, it's not like they have a choice. Trees, plants have pores. Things come in, things go out. The wrong things come in, they die like everything else on this planet. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, and when you burn, and I and maybe there's a chemist out here that can be a little smarter than me, but when you burn vinyl chloride, you're going to get some chemical that is toxic, uh, like a hydrogen chloride or hydrogen, something in that, that family, and carbon monoxide. So even carbon monoxide in high quantities on its own can kill or disrupt or... Uh, harm, and that's not the toxic one in comparison, or or the carcinogenic one. So this whole thing is this is why we're having this conversation, and I don't want it to be just a a, a four hour complaint fest. But what I want to, to for my... people to hear, I was going to have fun with that. If you smell it, it's a contaminant. If you see it, it's too close. And just because they gave you one to look at doesn't mean it's the only one there. The fact of the matter is, is there even the even the chemicals that we have on a train just so the train will function, hydraulic fluids, fuel, greases, all of those things when they start burning also go through a combustion process and they change into different things. Some of them burn at different rates, which means they may not have burned and they may be in that same supply. A lot of these things are lighter than water. Not all of them are. 
And that's why I got fired up. That's why I got upset because I'm watching the people we're calling professionals and they know the answer. Trust me, they went to college. They learned specific densities. They learned combustion conversion. They know. But there is someone in that room that has too much power and not enough knowledge limiting the professionals and what they need to do because it would look bad. You know what looks bad? Miles of train flipped over burning and they just people don't get what happens here that politicians do not act because you're in danger. They act because their career is in danger. Yeah, that's a huge problem I have with politics is I don't think that politics should ever have been a, a career. I don't think that I think that if you're you're going into government in any capacity, small town all the way up to the big government, your I would hope primary focus and goal should be to help people. And you know, one of the big models of our show is you know do over say. The problem I have is like you and I talked about this, where you were talking to members of other political parties, and I'm not going to mention which ones, but they the conversation about affecting change got brought up, and they were always like, they got to pass legislation, they got to pass policy, blah blah. But like, not that doesn't do anything, and and that that's that's a really easy way of saying put it on to someone else, and that's a problem for me. Not that I think one person can can save a town of five thousand, but one person can just by their actions can set the tone of what is expected and how and show people how to help and how not to make the the situation worse. You know, they're worried about the careers. Now they're acting. Well, this isn't good enough anymore. It was easy to fool the public when we didn't have technology to show us when, when any single person that had a camera phone couldn't be a reporter, but guess what? When you have thousands of people, just snapping shots and videos of this, you know, mile long, like it looks like an atomic bomb went off this huge smoke plume up in the air. It, 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 you have to step up and do your job. You've already, your lack of policies, your removal of regulations have already dropped the ball. So now we got to pick it up and fix the problem. And it's easy for me to complain because I, I live in Michigan. We went through the Flint water crisis. I have a lot of friends of mine that still live in Flint, that still don't trust their water. Some do have bad water and some don't. But those ripples last a long time. You know, when you when you throw a stone with your words or in general, it makes waves. And, you know, sometimes those waves take a long time to stop moving. And with that, I will stop complaining. I'm sorry. So I recently had a conversation with someone in those circles, those political circles, where everybody has an ideology <clears throat> that they have to defend. And in a mocking way, I was told, let me guess, we just stop moving things. We, we, we just don't take products from place to place. So we have to do, just wait till your kitchen utensils cost three times as much. I'm like, well, first of all, my kitchen utensils are a dollar. They should cost three times more. Number two, how do I get a product from one place to another safely? The answer is safely. And if you can't be at a, at a, at a cost that works for capitalism, you change your mode. You do not say we risk these things to have a cheaper spatula. That is not an answer. If you cannot move dangerous things from point A to point B without the risk of harming a community, any community, then you change your mode or you change your product because I guarantee you there's a slightly more expensive, safer method. And I would I would be willing to use either A, the spatula I have for the rest of my damn life, or B, if I had to replace it, spend $3 instead of a dollar. Mike's War, 
First time, Mike swore. My war? You swore. You said a wordy dirt. <laughs> Didn't even realize I did it. Sorry, yeah. guys. No, don't know. That's beautiful. You're leaving it in there. I love it. Go on. Uh, I cut out your last one, by the way, a couple weeks ago. Of course you did, because you hate me. <laughs> so that's where I get frustrated, is I have a politician, not a leader, barking at me about saving money. While there's going to be 4,700 people moving back into that town with children who want to play in the woods, who want to fish out of that creek, who want to experience life in now a contaminated environment. They're going to call it clean. They're going to say it's fine. Four days after the disaster, while it's burning and you could see it, they gave a uh, air quality reading of very good to the residents. Very the, good. The, the quote... The quote on the water for the city, remember, goes through a whole cleaning process before it makes it to your house, is that this shouldn't affect it. I am not good with words like shouldn't. No one noticed. No one noticed. But that word should not be in the sentence. We have experts in this field. We know what the plant can do. We know what's released. What's the difference? Oh, It's not that hard. And maybe I say that because I'm an engineer, but it's not that hard. It's literally math. You're, you're, <sighs> These are the things that we're having this conversation for. Because if something happens in your town, something happens in our listeners' town, I want these words to continue in the back of your mind. Because I am not a conspiracy theorist. I do not believe these people are out to get us. I believe these people are all trying to keep their job at different levels. And that we do have scientists that understand. Now, sometimes in some areas, we don't. In Flint, they fired all the scientists before they made their decision. There wasn't a hydrologist and a chemist involved in the concept of changing the chemical makeup of water. It was a business decision. And nine times out of ten, the result of what comes out of those rooms is a business decision. That is where we fail as people. That is where we fail as humans. That is where we fail in leadership. And it infuriates me because there are children, just like in Flint, who are going to have adverse effects. And the very first thing I heard from a politician on these sites that I talk to people, and I call them a politician because I sure the heck aren't a leader, was their family will get a ton of money. Not okay. It's not. Simply not. So, now I'm mad, and I didn't even have Rob to get me fired up because it is just one of those scenarios. There's a ton of stuff that I wrote that is really just chemical compound changes and math on how it balances, but really the story isn't that. The story is these things happen all the time. Our politicians are scared of the word regulation, and we are the test dummies. The more we learn, the safer we are. When something like this happens, start researching, but know how to research. Because I tell you, there was a ton of stuff out there that's just straight up artificial. Look at credible sources, understand what's happening, and do not put yourself in danger. Do not. No matter what is done, no matter what is said, do not put yourself in danger. We get one life that we know of and they don't get to take it. Even if that smart aleck in the other side of the room says, well, their family is going to get a bunch of money. On the sustainability side, this is an ecological disaster. This will damage the environment. you got to understand another piece of this is that the biodiversity is going to fall apart, but what is left will have a bioaccumulation of these chemicals in their body. So years down the road, someone goes hunting, kills a deer. They're going to consume those carcinogens because they're stored within that creature. 
And the people who are mitigating this know these answers, not the ones leading it. They don't. The people they hired to know it do. So I'm not going to take this much further. I don't want this to be a super long argument fight. Come on, let's do it. I want to make sure that people hear this message. And in my family, that's exactly how I'm acting. If they go back, they're going to go back with ammunition. They're going to go back with test strips. They're going to go back with water water test, air quality test units, probably air filters, all these things. Because that is their home. And it's hard to stay away from your home far too long. But if it happens to you, be prepared. And don't accept it should be okay. Because that is not their job. Any closing remarks, Nick, before I close this up and I lower my blood pressure? Um. Something I've wanted to say for a little while, though, yeah, uh, that you were talking about, like, Rick Burnoffs and if there was a chemist in the area. I am just going to jump out there and say that I would assume that the, the main chemical that they're they're pushing the narrative of, that as it burns off when it combines with hy- hydrogen, it's probably going to turn into acid rain because I read a little bit. Not a lot, but it makes sense. Other than that, I, I think I've complained and said all I really wanted to say about it. I could complain on it. Well, I could, I could, you know me, I, I'm good at complaining. I could throw a fit and act like a child for a good couple hours and kind of got a ta- talent for it. But um, no, I think that the point is, is that the people there need to know that they have our support and that if I think the best way to affect change is to reduce the risk of this stuff ever happening again. I think that the government should wake up and realize that their mentality of how they handle things is always a day late and a dollar short. And that needs to be changed. And I think that the best way to affect change is to um, be the is change be you want to see. Yeah, yep. be the change you want to see. So uh, on the on the local on the local side, a little bit little bit big bit. You know, everything you do with your neighbor, with your life, with your family, you can make a big change. You know, you can you can help shape your local community just by being cognizant of the repercussions of your own actions. And with that being said, if enough people do that then it's going to change the world. And I think that this is a great opportunity for people to realize that if our supposed experts in government don't have our best interest in heart, we really need to take our own best interest and uh, focus on being a better community and helping each other out and moving forward when tragedies and disasters strike, because um, that's the only way we're going to make it. Yep. It's unfortunately can fall in our hands sometimes, and we will have to manage those to the best of our ability. And as a community, we can. We can do it with the expertise of the surrounding people as long as we all get together and we all function together as one. Thank you so much for listening. And before I fully close this, I just want to remind you guys there's going to be some changes coming up. We have some wonderful, and I really do mean wonderful, and I'm going to change the tone here, local vendors, crafters, artists who are going to start making items for realistic sustainability. You'll see those for sale on the website. You will also be able to get some of those items through our soon-to-be-open Patreon. Uh, Nick and I have decided to open a Patreon and maybe offer some some experiences that you don't usually get. So keep your eyes open for those things. And remember, we're really here just to get a little better and sometimes a little safer. Little bit, little bit, big bit. Thank you again so much for listening. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. We will see you next week.